Our scripture reading this morning is found in Deuteronomy chapter 8. If you would turn there with me, please. Deuteronomy chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible of your own, our ushers do have Bibles available. Just raise your hand. They'll bring a Bible right to you. You can use throughout our service. Let's all stand then in respect to the reading of God's word. I'm going to read aloud and have you follow along with me as I read Deuteronomy chapter 8. The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs, flowing out in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees, of pomegranate and land, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. You shall eat and be full and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Take care that you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water and brought you water out of the flinty rock who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Beware that you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today 
that you shall surely perish. Like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so shall you perish because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. This is a portion of scripture from Deuteronomy chapter 8 that we read this morning. We'll be going through portions of Deuteronomy and talking about the uh, last two series that we did and how they connect with each other. May God give a blessing to the reading, the preaching of his word this morning. If you would remain standing with me, let's bow in a moment of prayer. Thank you, Father, for allowing us to be here. We thank you for your love, your grace, your forgiveness that allows us to confess our sins and to be cleansed and to worship you. So right now, we do confess our sin. We ask that you would forgive us of anything that we have done, the things that we should not do, the things that we do that we, um, um, things that we didn't do that we should do. Uh, we just pray your forgiveness and pray that you would cleanse our heart and allow us to worship you, allow us to be close to you, connected, listening to you, and obedient to you. Speak to our hearts today, this morning, through your word. We pray that you guide us in this service. We pray for those who are part of this fellowship who aren't here, especially because of weakness or sickness. We pray that you would minister to them in their bodies as well as in their minds and encouraging them in their walk with you. We think of my father, that you would continue to watch over and bless him. We think of Minnie Kathy, and we think of Sister Lola Spears. We think of Beverly Alexander. And Mac Holt, Lord, we just pray for each one of these who are dealing with different uh, challenges in their life, that you would just watch over and be with them. There's others, Lord, who have experienced different uh, um, ailments and troubles, and, uh, and probably all of us in one form or another have are suffering or have suffered from something. So we pray, Lord, that you would just encourage your people as we go through the struggles of life, that we would... Uh, continue to be faithful, serving you, looking to you as our redeemer, our savior, our healer, our protector. We just pray now in Jesus' name, amen. amen. And please be seated. Our choir comes with special music. <clears throat> One of the things I like to do in preaching is to preach through a series uh, to take a, a book of the Bible or a section of the Bible and, and preach right through that. And we've been doing that, well, we've been doing that for 25 years now. We'll continue to do that. And uh, we've preached through just about every book uh, of the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. We'll continue to do that. Our last two series, we've gone through the book of Hosea uh, in its entirety. And then right after that, we went through Esther. And so I want to just do a summary and review of those two uh, books and to, to look at this section in Deuteronomy and see how that connects and, and comes together and particularly how that uh, uh, speaks to our lives today. It's one thing that we uh, as believers need to realize the Word of God is not an ancient document that is disconnected from us today. God speaks through his word, and his word is a living word. In other words, it's, it's not changing. It's complete. 
It's entire. It's not changing that way, but it's dynamic in that it ministers to us today. It is timeless. It is endless. Uh, in fact, in John, the, the Bible, John the writer says that Jesus is the word. He is the communication of God. He's the revelation of God. He is God himself. And so he speaks in a way that relates to us in our day and time, regardless of what that day and time is. And so right now, he is, he is speaking to us. Let's take a look. Just think with me of Hosea. In Hosea, we looked at, I want to point out two main things that we looked at in the book of Hosea. And the first theme there is there is this, that God's great mercy and love for his sinful, unfaithful, undeserving people. That's what we see in Hosea. God's great mercy and his love, sinful, unfaithful, undeserving people. We've seen that in the prophet himself who was commanded by God to go and take a woman um, who was going to be unfaithful to him. And after she was unfaithful in their marriage and even have children from that, God told Hosea to go and take her and take her again for a wife. Now, I don't know about you, but that shocks me. I'm like, God, I, I don't know. I don't know about that. I ain't built for that. <laughs> we make all kinds of excuses. But God did that um, to really show uh, Hosea, to show Israel, and to show us today the dynamic of God's love and his mercy. And he, you know, if we want to picture ourselves in that, we, we, are, we are Gomer. We are like Hosea's wife. Israel was said to be like Hosea's wife who was unfaithful to God. And yet God reached, he went beyond measure to, 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 to go and get her. We see that theme, in, if we just browse through a couple verses in Hosea, just to remind us again, Hosea chapter 3 of verse 1 and 2. Hosea chapter 3, uh, verse 1 and 2. I'm going to read that. The Lord said to me, Go again, love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love cakes and raisins. Wow. Verse 2, so I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a lethage of barley. Now we pointed out that that was about the price of, 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 of a female slave. Said, wow, she wasn't worth very much. We aren't worth very much. You know, we, we try to boost our self-esteem by saying, I, I'm worth so much. No, my value is really not much at all. Neither is yours. But what, what, is, what, is, what, what is so precious is that God went after us and sought us and redeemed us with a price that is priceless, with the precious blood of Jesus. So my worth now becomes what God has done in his investment to me, not, be, not because of any intrinsic value that I have, but because the value that God has placed on me. And you can say the same if you, if you have uh, um, been redeemed by God. 
So we see that in the next chapter in Hosea, chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, he says this, Hear the word of the Lord, O children of Israel, for the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. There is no faithfulness or steadfast love and no knowledge of God in the land. There is swearing, lying, murder, stealing, and committing adultery. They break all bounds and bloodshed follows bloodshed. Therefore, the land mourns, and all who dwell in it languish, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and even the fish of the sea are taken away. He's saying because of the wickedness and the sin of his people, all had been impacted and affected by sin. Another verse we want to look at that shows this first major theme in Hosea, that God's great mercy and his love for his sinful, unfaithful, undeserving people is in chapter 11 of Hosea, verse 1 and following. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. The more they were called, the more they went away. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and burning offerings to idols. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up by their arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of kindness, with the bands of love, and I became to them as one who eases the yoke on their jaws, and I bent down to them and fed them. He goes on, that just gives us a glimpse. But in that same chapter, verse 8, he says this, How can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zeboam? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. God is saying he loves his people though they are unfaithful and have been unfaithful, and he will judge them, he says, I love them. He says, how can I give them up? How can I treat them? He says, like Adma, Adma and Zeboam. And, and we, we talked about that when we preached through that passage that these were cities right just like uh, Sodom and Gomorrah and had been destroyed with Sodom and Gomorrah. They're in that same community of cities. And God is saying his people deserve to be wiped off the planet of the earth with his judgment. But his heart, he has a tender heart towards them. So we see that theme of God's tenderness, his love and his mercy. The second theme we see in Hosea is this, that God warns and calls to repentance his people. He warns his people and he calls to repentance. Well, the two things that we noticed in Hosea was God's love and God's judgment and how they both fit together. We, we, we talk about it like this. Um, God's judgment and his mercy. Until we understand God's judgment, we won't really understand and, and, and fully embrace his mercy. People today, they just want to talk about God's love. And they don't recognize how great God's love is when you look at the judgment that he is going to bring and, and what that's going to do. And then those who he has saved from that judgment. It's kind of like this. Until you understand and accept that 
that God has created and intended hell to be the place for the devil and his angels and all that refuse to accept his son, you won't fully appreciate how we were snatched from the pit of hell and saved by the Lord Jesus Christ and now have heaven as our domain. In other words, we need to recognize fully what God's judgment that we do deserve has, has been uh, removed from us because of Jesus Christ and how we are now uh, uh, recipients of his grace. And so uh, we see that theme of God's warning. Look at chapter 6 in Hosea, uh, verse, the first three verses there. Chapter 6, Hosea 6, 1 through 3. It says this, Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us that he may heal us. He has struck us down and he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up that we may live again. Let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. His going out is sure as the dawn. He will come to us as the showers, as the spring rains that water the earth. We see the warning and the invitation there to return to the Lord. They, you know, in other words, he's saying God's judgment can be like a hurricane and a driving rain and water of that, or you can have his grace that's pictured as a light, refreshing shower that brings life to all the earth. And so um, he's inviting God's people to repent. And that, that same theme is, is given to us in another way in chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. Israel is a luxuriant vine that yields its fruit. The more his fruit increased, the more altars he built as his country improved, he improved his pillars. He talk about altars and pillars. He's talking about the false worship that Israel had practiced. Verse 2, their heart is false. Now they must bear their guilt. The Lord will break down their altars and destroy their pillars. So he talks there about his warning uh, to uh, of judgment to come for his people. Now let's take a look briefly at this book of Esther that we just have gone through recently this summer. And the uh, two themes that we'll talk about in, in Esther. Um, God's people are in exile, dominated by a foreign people because of their sin. That's the whole setting of the book of Esther. They are in a land far, far away. So that's part of the theme and and we see that through Esther. Uh, the second thing we'll look at is that God's great love and deliverance of his people is shown through his sovereign work behind the scenes. That's a great theme of Esther. That God is working behind the scenes. He's working about to bring, he's working to bring about this plan to, uh, uh, that he has for delivering his people. So, in other words, his people are not abandoned, even though they have sinned and are being dominated by a foreign land, God is still working to redeem them, to bring them to himself. And the reason why he's doing that is because in his plan, he is bringing his Savior into the world to be a redeemer, not just for Israel, the nation of Israel, 
which is uh, slated as people of the Old Testament, but for his people who are those who would trust in Christ, what we call the Gentiles today, or what we properly call the church today, those who will come to trust in Christ. And so uh, we see God's great plan, and he's doing, working his, his, his plan uh, behind the scenes. Praise God for, for what he's doing. The reason why I want to bring in Deuteronomy today is to see how it connects to both of those, um, both of those books and those themes. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, and we've read that already, so um, what we see, well, the word Deuteronomy um, means a second law. So in the Hebrew, it, it is very close to that word for second law. Why is it called second law? It's not because another law came, um, but it is the preaching of Moses to remind people of God's word and God's law. And so all through Deuteronomy, Moses is, uh, you, got, you have to know that the people of Israel have been brought, they've been delivered um, from Egypt. They've crossed over the Red Sea um, and they are ready now to enter into the promised land. Moses has been leading them through this whole time and he now is, is about to hand them over to the new leader, Joshua, and, and because God told Moses he wouldn't be allowed to enter into that promised land, but Joshua would take them into that land. And he's reminding the people that they need to remain committed and obedient to God. And so he's reminding them, he's rehearsing, he's preaching to them the, the law that God has laid down with them and that they should be uh, faithful to the Lord as they enter into the new land. While he's reminding them of that, he cautions, he warns them and says, this is what will happen to you if you turn from the Lord. And that's where it ties into the book of Hosea and the book of Esther, because uh, in, in history, Deuteronomy happens first. This is before they even get into the land. God is warning them that they need to walk in obedience to him. And if they do, they will be blessed. If they do not, they will be judged by God. And what we see in Hosea is the people of God are, are acting in rebellion against God. And God has continued to warn them. And then we see in the book of Esther that they have been judged and they are no longer in their land and, 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 and God has put them amongst a foreign people and yet God is still ministering, he is still gracious, he is still working his plan uh, to bring about his Savior through his people. And so that's how we see these things tying together in the, in the history. What does that mean to us as believers today? We know that the Old Testament was written on our behalf so that we might, one, understand who God is, how he operates, and how he's dealing with us today. And, and, and so we, we can see what he's challenging us to do today, what he wants us to learn from these lessons of the past. So let's take a look back at Deuteronomy 8 that we read earlier today. And just pause there to highlight a few things. Remember this book, and particularly in this chapter, Moses is preaching to the people. 
And he is going to pre-warn them. Even before they enter the land, he's going to warn them uh, of God's law and, and encourage them to be obedient and faithful to God's law. He is going to call them to remember what God has done. A key, few key uh, words in this chapter 8 of Deuteronomy. Let's look at it in verse 2. And you shall remember. Remember is a key word. Starting at verse 1 as I read. The whole commandment that I command you today, you should be careful to do. In other words, Moses is before them speaking just like I am right now, preaching to them in that day. He says, the whole commandment that I that command you today, you should be careful to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. Verse 2, and you shall remember. He says, don't forget. Don't forget what? Don't forget what God has been doing in your life. Don't forget the things that he has done. I can say that to us today. Think through, recall for yourself what God has done in your particular life. Don't let it be forgotten. Don't live like it never happened. Live in the moment that this is, is, is true. God has worked in, in, in great ways. He says in verse 3, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone. He gave these experiences so that you will begin to rely on him and that you might know, you might realize, you might come to the realization of truths that are essential in your living today. And one of them is that God gave uh, uh, to these, he gave them manna, but he says man doesn't live by bread alone. God gave them what they needed, but it wasn't just the physical food that they need. He wanted them to realize that. So no is a key word right there. We see that again in verse 5. Know then in your heart. He wants them to know. He wants them to think. He wants them to realize. He wants them to remember. He wants them to recall. Verse 11. Take care lest you forget. Don't you forget. Verse 14. Then your heart be, then your heart be lifted up and you forget. The Lord your God. So remember is key. Don't forget, he says. Verse 17. Beware lest you say in your heart. The way you think and the way that you speak to yourself. Verse 19. And if you forget the Lord your God. So he's warning them. When the key thought is don't forget. Remember. Rehearse. I, I, I mentioned as I started this message that we... We've made a practice of going through series through the Word of God. And in 25 years, you know, you're going to cover a lot. And in fact, you're going to go over some things that you've done before. And, you know, we have, to, we have to caution ourselves. There is within our hearts says, you know, I want something new. I want to hear something different. Well, what Moses is doing is he's reminding them of what they already heard. 
what they already have seen. He's reminding them because there is a special place. There's, there's, there's an importance for us to not just go on to something new, but to take in and rehearse the things that we have learned. To not take them for granted, but to reflect on them and recall and to put into practice those things that, that we, have, we have learned. That's what he's teaching them to do here a call to remember in this call to remember in chapter 9 he says keep in mind why God did what he did and this is an awesome lesson look at chapter 9 of Deuteronomy here O Israel you are to cross over the Jordan today can you imagine Moses is, is speaking to this great congregation and they're just about to go over to the promised land. He says, you're about to cross over to the Jordan, cross over the Jordan today. On the other side of that river was the promised land that they had been in, uh, uh, searching for and in transit to for, for, for 40 years. Somebody said it should have taken them 11 days to get on that, to walk on that journey, but it took them 40 years to get there. And now they were about to get there, and Moses preaches to them. He says, you are to cross over the Jordan today to go in to depossess nations greater and mightier than you, cities great and fortified up to heaven, a people great and tall, the sons of the Anakin, whom you know and of whom you have heard it said, who can stand before the sons of Anak? Know therefore today that he who goes over before you as a consuming fire is the Lord your God. He will destroy them and subdue them before you. So you shall drive them out and make them perish quickly as the Lord has promised you. So what he says is God's going to do a great work. And I want you to, to get ready for it. I want you to recognize. And then he cautions them, this very important caution that we need to receive today. And it starts there in the next verse. Verse 4. Do not say in your heart, after the Lord your God has thrust them out before you, it is because of my righteousness that the Lord has brought me in to possess this land. Whereas it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is driving them out before you. Not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart are you going in to possess their land, but because of the wickedness of these nations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you and that he may confirm the word that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Know therefore that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness, for you are stubborn people. Now he goes on in the verses I won't read that follow to show, to show them their sin. To show them their, their stubbornness and to show them their wickedness. Immediate application to us today. God does not save any individual. And you need to put your name in there. I need to put my name in there. God does not save any individual because of their righteousness. In fact, that whole thought is totally ridiculous. If he saved us, we were saved from something. <laughs> we needed delivering. 
That's why some people don't get saved. They're too proud to admit that they are a sinner in need of God's deliverance. God reminds his people that when you are redeemed, you're redeemed, you are chosen by God, but not because you are something special or because you are righteous in any way. In fact, you are chosen by God because you needed him. You needed his deliverance. I needed his deliverance because I was not righteous. In fact, I was in line for his judgment. So he reminds them, as he reminds us today, that God saves and he saved us not because we were something special or because we are righteous. And he says, I'm not saving you because of your righteousness. I'm not saving you because of your potential that you have the potential to do this. You know, some people have this thought that, uh, hey, you know, God knew I was going to be a great preacher, so he saved me. And he made me to be this. God knew I was going to be a great singer. God knew I was going to do great business and bring profit and money to to his work and and fund his work, so he saved me. No, no. (laughs) God may use the gift he's given you for his glory, and he should, if you allow him to, that is, if you don't get in the way. But it's not because of anything that you have that God saved you, at least nothing positive. (laughs) But he saved you because you, like me, were in desperate need of saving. And God wants us to recall that. He wants us to know that. He wants us to remember that. So he reminds his people there in chapter 9. Go to chapter 10 in Deuteronomy with me now. What does the Lord require? I want to go to verse 12 there. Deuteronomy 10, verse 12. And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. Again, you can picture Moses preaching and speaking to that great congregation of people that God has brought out uh, of Egypt. Of course, they were children when he brought them out. It's their parents who were were the adults at that time, and in those 40 years, all of those parents have died because of their unbelief and failing to embrace what God was going to do. And he's speaking to this generation, and he's telling them, this is what God requires of you. As I read through this, it, it's, 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 it does something to me. It's, it's sobering because I asked the question, Lord, how can I do that? Here's what he requires of you. To fear the Lord, to walk in his ways, to love him and to serve him, and and he puts a condition on that, with all your heart. God calls us to do that. Now, if he calls us to do it, he enables us to do it as well. But I'm thankful for his enabling, his enabling because 
I am not within my own strength able to do that. I remember when I realized God was, had saved me. He was calling me to prepare for ministry. And I thought, Lord, what if I fall? What if I fail? There, there, there have been so many pastors who had gotten into sin and, and all kinds of, of trouble. And I said, Lord, this could happen to me. What are you calling me to? How, how am I going to keep this? How can I reach and, and maintain this standard that you have? And, and he reminds me as he does in these verses, yes, I call you to a high standard. Yes, you don't have what it takes to meet that standard. But yes, I have what it takes to bring you, to enable you to live the way I would have for you to live. And for us as believers, that's an encouraging thought because I know you must, you know, I have to repent of my sin just like you have to repent of yours. And I feel so unworthy. And I said, Lord, I failed you in this area. I'm not doing or I haven't done as I should have done. But God says, look, I enable you to do this. Rest in my power. You can see that as he goes through this. He, he says then, verse 14, behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth and all that is in it. Yet the Lord set his heart in love on your fathers and chose their offspring after them, you above all peoples as you are this day. He's reminding them that God chose them. God selected them. God chooses today you to come to be saved, to serve him. And remember in, verse, in chapter 9, we're reminded he didn't cho choose us because of our holiness, or because of any positive trait that we had. He chose us <laughs> because of his own love and his own desire, not anything that we can pat ourselves on the back for. And then he says this, verse 16, Circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your heart and be no longer stubborn. Circumcision was something that all males were required to do, and it was to set them apart and to commit them to the Lord God. He says, I'm not, I'm not talking about a physical circumcision that I have required you to do, but I'm requiring you to set apart your heart. Commit your heart then to the Lord. All your emotion, all of your being, your whole self, he's saying, then is to be committed to the Lord, surrendered over to him, he's saying. And in doing that, the Lord gives power to his people to live in the way that he would have them to live. We're going to go and look at that same phrase in another part of Deuteronomy and see how that, how, how that uh, uh, enables us to walk in his power. In fact, let's go there. Chapter 30, Deuteronomy 30, verse 6. It says, And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring, so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, that you may live. 
It's interesting. At one point, he says, you circumcise your heart. But then he says, it's the Lord your God who will circumcise your heart. In other words, he's saying, I want you to commit yourself fully to the Lord. And it's the Lord your God who will enable that. How does he do that? Simply, very, very simple. In the New Testament, he introduces this point is the Holy Spirit is the one who enables us and empowers us to live the way that God would have us to live. And so God's saying, Commit yourself to him. Submit yourself to the Holy Spirit. And in the Holy Spirit, you will find the power to live the way that I want you to live. I'm going to come back to that in just a moment. Keep that in mind. Let me get to the main gist of Deuteronomy and then how it connects with Hosea and Esther. In Deuteronomy... Well, we are in chapter 10, and we're looking at what he requires of you. Look at the end of chapter 10. Verse 20, you shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him and hold fast to him, and by his name you shall swear. He is your praise he is your God who has done for you these great and terrifying things that your eyes have seen. He's saying, be reminded what God has done. Look and recall in your own life the great wonders that God has done. You know, some of us say, well, I wasn't living in this time, and so I didn't see God part the Red Sea. I didn't see him bring manna uh, from, uh, uh, from nowhere and, and just have it appear on the ground. I didn't see him bring water from the rock. I didn't see him uh, do all of these things. But I will say to you, open your eyes. Have you not seen God in your life do miraculous things? Has he saved you? Has he brought you to understand uh, who he is? Has he brought you into relationship with him? And what was the process that he used in doing that? Has he taught you his word? Has, he, has the Holy Spirit uh, been given to you? If you saved, he has been given to you. Has he given you understanding of his truth? Has he given you a desire to serve him, to walk with him, to love him? Has God worked in those ways? And then just because of that, some of the practical ways, what prayers has he answered in your life? What workings has he done in your life? What have you experienced in your life? You know, I can just look at the brief history of this church as we've joined together what God has done in miraculous ways, the things that he has accomplished. And then I look at my own personal life. I look at how God has blessed me. I look at the family that I was born into and how I was raised and how the gospel was, was, was taught there and given to me at a young age so I would come to know Christ. I look at how, how God kept me from straying away from him when I tried with all my might to go away. He said, no, not that far. <laughs> You're going 
this far and no farther. And he brought me back to himself and he saved me and he used different people to speak and to minister into my life. And, 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 and he, he blessed me not only with, with parents and a family there, but the wife and children and uh, giving me the grace to, to raise and to bring those children up and to see them raised and bring up their own children. God has blessed me tremendously. And I would think that I'm, I, I'm not alone in this. <laughs> I think I'm unique in the ways that I've been blessed, but the degree to which I've been blessed, I'm not alone in this. And he has done this in every one of his people's lives. So God is saying, open your eyes and look and see what he has done. And don't forget. And don't take it for granted. Think, reflect, and as you do that, what springs out of that is worship and praise. So he says in, verse t- in, in chapter 10, by his name you shall swear. He is your praise. He is your God who has done for you these great and terrifying things that your eyes have seen. That's why we have singspiration tonight. That's why we worship in every one of our services so that we might express Praise to God that is deserving and needs to be attributed to him and him alone. See, if I didn't worship and didn't praise God, I would in essence be saying in my life, I'm responsible for all the good things that happened to me, me and me alone. In other words, I'd be making myself God. But what I do is say, no, 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 no. I, I, I acknowledge and I do that privately and I do it publicly that God is my praise. God is my God. He's the one that has done these things in my life and I know it and I see it and so I say it. I express it. But that's part of your life experience then worship God. And praise him in every way that you can. Moses is reminding them of that. We get to chapter 27. Could you go there with me? Deuteronomy chapter 27. As he addresses the people... The first, I'm not going to read through the whole thing, but I just want to review a little bit. The first part of chapter 27, he says, now when you get over into that land that you're going to, I want you to remember, and in fact, I want you to set up a memorial so you'll never forget. But it's interesting what he says we should remember. Because most of us just want to remember the good things. But in this chapter, chapter 27, he has blessings and cursings. Blessings are the things that he says, if you will walk with the Lord in obedience to him, this is going to be the description of your life. These things will happen. But he doesn't stop there. In fact, in chapter 27, uh, verses 1 through 14, he talks about the blessings. In the first couple of verses, he said, I want you to, to set this up and so that you don't forget it. Set up an altar, build an altar, verse 6, build an altar. Um, take these tablets and, and, and write on them. And then he says this. 
Verse 11, that day Moses charged the people saying, when you have crossed over the Jordan, these shall stand on Mount Gerizim to bless the people. And he splits up the, tri the, 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 the 12 uh, tribes of Israel, the six that will stand and bless the people. In other words, remind them of what it means to walk in obedience to the Lord. And then he says, these other ones, verse 13, these shall stand on Mount Ebo for the curse. In other words, I want these six tribes to remind the people of what it's going to look like if we stray from the Lord. So that we need to remind and think about both. What it looks like to serve the Lord and what it looks like to turn our faces from God. He reminds them. And as he goes through this chapter, he goes through verse 14 to talk about the, uh, uh, um, Excuse me, in the next chapter, verse 28, he talks about these blessings that will occur. Look at verse 1 of chapter 28. If you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. I like that. If you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground and the fruit of your cattle. He just goes on and on. These are the things that are going to be blessed as you obey God. Now he goes from verse 1 through 14 with that. You get what I'm saying? That's a long time, right? But then he starts the cursing. I didn't say he cursed. I said he starts to express what it means to turn away from the Lord. Verses 15 through 68. Yeah, you get the point. There's a lot. It just reminds me. <laughs> it takes a lot to build something up. It don't take much to tear down. <laughs> he says, I want to warn you that if you turn away from the Lord, these things will happen. Look at verse 15. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God or be careful to do all his commandments and his statutes that I command you today, these are all, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. The picture is... <laughs> The first picture is that if you obey God, God, God's blessings is just like running after you and going to jump on you, right? Overtake you. But then he says if you turn from God, there's something else running after you and going to jump on you and overtake you. So he's reminding the people, follow the Lord. Trust God. Fear God. Love God. Obey God. you can look at some of the particulars that he says would happen if they fail to obey the Lord. Look at verse 64. I just want to look at just this one. The Lord will scatter you among all peoples from one end of the earth to the other. And there you shall serve other gods of wood and stone which neither you nor your fathers have known. We see that played out in Hosea and in Esther. Hosea, they were being warned again. I told you not to do this, not go after these idols and these other gods. 
So I'm warning you strongly, stop doing that. Return to the Lord. And then in Esther, we see that the judgment has, has happened already. And they are now in a foreign land. And they are away from their own land. And God's judgment has hit them. So, you say, is there any good news here? Yes, there is. Look at chapter 30 with me now. What's the cure? Because if you are like me, you, you say, well, Lord, what happens if I sin? And I realize that I don't want to live and stay in this sin. What should I do? How do I get out of that? Verse, chapter 30, verse 1. When all these things come upon you, the blessings and the curse which I have set before you, and you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God has driven you. In other words, he says, if you turn away from the Lord and you find yourself away from the, this land that you're about to enter now, you find yourself away from it, the promised land, you find yourself, in essence, outside of the will of God. He says, if you return, you return to the Lord your God, you and your children, and obey his voice and all that command you today with all your heart, with all your soul, then the Lord your God will restore. He will restore. <laughs> and as we get down to verse 6, and the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. The cure is repentance and forgiveness. It's a circumcised heart, he says. So he makes the plea to Israel, the plea that I make to you today as we close in chapter 30, verse 15. Notice it with me. See, I have set before you today life and good death, and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today, by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you. 17, but if your heart turns away and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. I like what's right before that section because that's the tendency that I have in my heart saying, Lord, this is too hard. How can I do it? He says in verse 11, but this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you. Neither is it far off. It's not in heaven that you should say who will ascend to heaven for us or bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. <laughs> God makes it plain. He says, requirement that I have for you is not impossible. It is impossible to do apart from me. But what I'm telling you to do, you can do. The way I'm asking you to live, you can live that way 
because I give you the power to do that. Today, I'm recommitting myself to God's power as I ask you to recommit yourself to God's power. To say, Lord, I know what you asked me to do is difficult, impossible in my strength, but you guarantee that it is possible because you make it possible by your strength. And I'm going to live by your strength. That's what you called me to do. You said it's not too hard for me to do it, and I take you at your word. I am going to live by your strength. I want to walk with you, Lord. I want to love you. I want to serve you. I want to obey you, and, 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 and I want to please you in all that I do. Now, some people get hung up in, in, in Deuteronomy that I want all these blessings and, you know, you, you got the blessing if you obey God. But that's not the motivation. It's not the simple motivation. It's not the, the physical blessings that you need. You, you can throw that away. I mean, that, that comes and goes. What he's saying is, God gives us the power to live the way he wants us to live, and he blesses us in doing so. He wants us to commit. He wants us to circumcise our hearts. In other words, to commit ourselves to following, to obeying, to trusting, to to, to walking with him. And I'm asking you what Moses asked his people. He said, I've laid out before you life, and good, death and evil. Choose what you're going to do today. Commit, he's saying, basically, to the Lord. Verse 19, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I've set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. Loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, and holding fast to him, for he is your life and length of days. God is saying, choose life. Father, I thank you for your path, your word today. Lord, I pray that anyone here today that's hearing your word would also hear this. It's impossible to serve you, to love you, to trust you apart from trusting Christ as the Lord and Savior. That's the first start of it. And so we pray, Lord, that you would just impress that on any mind, any heart today. And I pray that you'd move in the hearts of your people who have made that decision to trust Christ that they would walk daily with that resolve to serve you. And we won't be complacent where we are right now. We'd be committed to obeying you in all that you have for us to do. You are speaking to hearts right now. You're being specific in those hearts of what that means and what they need to do. And I, I pray that you just communicate that clearly. You're calling us out. You're challenging us. You're also warning us.
cautioning us not to turn from you. I pray, Lord, that that caution will be heeded. I pray that 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 worship and that praise and that commitment might show in everything that we do. And you'll be pleased to receive that worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask my wife if she'd join me in the back as we close our service and uh, prepare to greet each of you um, before we leave today. Cliff, would you close us in a word of prayer?